of an ancient cult, starring Lon Chaney, Anne Gwynn, Evelyn Ankers, with Lois Collier, Ralph Morgan, Elizabeth Risden, Elizabeth Russell. This house is full of something evil. Evil? Yes, it's you. Don't. Why are you terrorizing my wife? I don't even care anymore what people are saying, laughing at oh, me. Oh, stop it. I never asked for such devotion from you, and I don't want it. Answer it. since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors. <laughs> well, that's too long. Pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the Forgotten Horrors podcast with your hosts, John Woolley, Michael H. Price, and my own self, Wolf Brand Jack. <laughs> And once again, thank you to Michael H. Price and his friend Wolf Brand Jack for our introduction to the Forgotten Horrors podcast. I'm John Woolley. Michael's with us, Michael Price. And uh, also, there you are, Michael, and also our producer and engineer, Joey Hambrick. And Joey's actually on the line with us, too, and this is a line. Like everybody else, uh, we're going uh, through this uh, unprecedented kind of uh, unusual time, and uh, we could have just not, I guess, done a podcast, but we decided to do a podcast, and Joey hooked us up, and now we're together in a little bit different way. And I guess I should say that, shouldn't I? Because, Joey, will we, will we sound a little bit different doing it this way? Uh, yeah, you you can hear your that uh, you're on a phone uh, instead okay. of a mic. But... Okay. All right. Yeah. And, my, and Michael, you're on the phone? Well, I'm actually Zooming in. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, it it seems to connect well. I I've got oh, yeah, good, good. good signal on all fronts. And uh, yeah, well, why sit it out when you can actually do something that might even um, help some people get through the mess? That's right, including ourselves. Yeah, including ourselves, firstly and foremostly. <laughs> I uh, I get a I get the I get the occasional. Um, message from a listener and uh like so glad you guys are doing this because uh uh, i'm just glad y'all are doing it and i said well Mm -hmm. you know we're glad uh what was it many pearl said just (laughs) 
Just glad just proud to be, to be here. here. Proud to be just here. Proud to be here. Well, this is an inner sanctum mystery that we're talking about tonight, and it's called Weird Woman, uh, based on a novel by Fritz Lieber Jr. called Conjure Wife. And it was one of a series of six films that Universal made um, during uh, 1944, 1945, all, of course, from the, from the B-Picture unit at Universal. And, uh, Michael, it was, it was all – the series was based on a radio show or, and, and also a line of books, of, of mm-hmm. mystery books, called Inner Sanctum. And you had uh, – all you wouldn't expect to bring up Herschel Gordon Lewis's name in a, a podcast about 1940s horror – uh, we were talking before we started this, and you had a story about Herschel Gordon Lewis. Would you mind sharing that before we get into oh, the stop? Oh, 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 Herschel, the, the <clears throat> reigning king with David Friedman of splatter films, or gore as they called them, uh, once uh, told me that uh, when he was beginning to develop a picture called The Wizard of Gore, he had this fleeting thought that he ought to call it Innard Sanctum. <laughs> I mean, his, basically his special effects budget involved a trip to the butcher to get some discarded sheep entrails. I mean, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, <laughs> great cat, uh, uh, that Lewis, and, and especially Dave Friedman, they, uh, they made a, a very fine team. They didn't make finery when it came to, you know, they, they didn't make cinema. They made um, basically sensational movies for, uh, seekers after cheap thrills, and uh, they did that probably better than just about anybody else. But that's a far cry from the B picture dignity of Universal Pictures and the Inner Sanctum series. And plus, the people also, I think, for those of us who were monster kids uh, and grew up watching shock theater, these oh. uh, Inner Sanctum mysteries had so many familiar faces in them uh, oh, from the man. horror pictures. Inner Sanctum was my introduction to Universal Horror Pictures. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first Universal spooker I ever saw was an Inner Sanctum. Uh, way before I, I, I came to, I came to Shock Theater on television late. I was in the, I think, fourth grade of grammar school in 1957 when the Shock Theater package appeared on local uh, syndicated TV. And our new third channel in my hometown, <laughs> great, three channels, all of three channels, mm-hmm. uh, picked up the package and all the kids in school were talking about it. And I said, I got it. I got to get permission to stay up late on Friday and catch that. So I got some pals over to, to uh, watch Shock Theater. And uh, <clears throat> we tuned in what we thought was the program. And well, this is pretty dull, you guys. And I don't see any monsters yet but 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 listen that that guy he's, he called that guy shock so this must be shock theater about that time my dad ambles into the uh, living room where the tv's running how's y'all shock theater he says i said boy this is pretty punk dad this guy shock hadn't even croaked anybody yet he watches for a few seconds and starts laughing <laughs> well you boys are on the wrong channel that guy's name is Jacques. We were watching a, a mystery picture of some kind. I have no idea what it was. We, by the time by the time we got over to uh, uh, the proper channel seven, it, uh, we'd missed a big old hunk of, uh, I think it was 
son of Frankenstein at the moment. Oh, and okay. just kind of gave up. Said, "Dang!" Uh, so the first full-length Universal uh, mystery, weird mystery picture I ever saw was one of the Inner Sanctums. I believe it was the Frozen Ghost, but I was hooked. Which is not a bad picture, and there no. and these were. These were, weren't they, uh, all of the inner sanctions were released as part of either the shock or the son of shock packages to television in 57. Yes, they showed up on TV right along with the Wolfman and Frankenstein and what have you. And uh, they really broadened uh, a youngster's viewing experience. I'm sure there were grown-ups who really did appreciate shock theater. Uh, I know uh, my mother had been a fan of the Universals when she was a schoolgirl in the 30s. So that was nice to know, even though by the 50s, most 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 good upstanding middle class parents didn't want their kids watching those darn horror movies or listening to rock and roll. That's right. Two of the like best evil. things about being in the 50s. <laughs> but let, let me, uh, our producer uh, is going to jump in here anytime I feel like and remind us that we need to do a synopsis. So the film that we're we're talking about tonight, just briefly, is a film called Weird Woman, uh, based once again on Fritz Lieber Jr.'s Conjure Wife uh, novel, and it has to do with uh, with a college professor who returns uh, to his alma mater, which in this case is called uh, Monroe College, mm -hmm. and uh, brings back uh, a uh, a wife and Gwen is played by Anne Gwen. The professor is Lon Chaney Jr. And uh, Anne Gwynn has been raised on a South Sea island, not unlike Hawaii, it looks to me like, and uh, has, has, been, <laughs> has, has been raised to sort of um, uh, embrace uh, superstition. And Lon Chaney Jr.'s professor is a writer who writes a, an academic but, but well-selling book called Superstition Versus Reason and Fact. Well, you think maybe the uh, the conflict would be between those two, but it's actually, and this is where I think the strength of this picture really lies, it's actually uh, has a lot to do with campus politics. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and what uh, uh, the, the old line, and I'm trying to think, Henry Kissinger, I think, is who I heard it credited to, saying that campus politics were the meanest politics in the world because there was so little at stake and <laughs> Ron Chaney Jr. is a sociologist and, and a fair-haired boy and, and he comes back and his spurned girlfriend played by Evelyn Anchors in a very uh, rare unsympathetic role for the scream queen of Universal yeah. uh, is there and some great great character people including Ralph Morgan uh, the pair, the, the husband and wife team of Ralph Morgan and Elizabeth, uh, not Elizabeth Risen, uh, Elizabeth uh, Russell, who, of course, was in all those Val Luton films with Cat People and Curse of the Cat People and Seventh sure. Victim and Bedlam, and uh, also in The Corpse Vanishes. She's a very unusual-looking woman, and she, her billing is low, but she really figures in very heavily to uh, to what goes on. Well, what happens is that his wife is using, uh, uh, Lon Chaney Jr.'s wife, uh, Anne Gwynn, is using uh, magic to help him get along. Him being the voice of reason, he destroys it at one, uh, destroys her charms and things at one point, and then um, uh, bad things 
start happening. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, probably all the synopsis we need. Am I leaving anything out, Michael? I think you've nailed the film noir essence of it. Yep. Uh, the uh, uh, Our friend novelist Jim Salas uh, pretty well crystallizes the attitude of film noir when he defines it as random misfortune. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen to anybody at any moment. And that, that of mm-hmm. course, invokes our friend Joe Bob Briggs as well. But uh, the, uh, the inner sanctums are, in fact, uh, under-acknowledged as uh, noirs. In, yeah. uh, maybe not in a class with Val Luton. They're certainly not as artistically pretentious. But they're good, solid little bees with that universal gloss. Mm-hmm. And uh, they give Lon Chaney Jr., of course, uh, a chance to stretch dramatically where Basically, he was he was cast in most of his starring roles as a, kind of a kind of a scary but sympathetic beefcake type, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, or a know, lynch type sometimes. Yes, indeed. You you put a you put a little pencil mustache on him and a, and a slick pompadour, and dress him like he just walked out of Brooks Brothers, and the guy radiates class and confidence. He does far cry from from Lenny in a, in of mice and men and some of the other sort of yes. uh, portrayals of sort of dull witted folks. But right. you know, I was looking at the inner sanctums, the six inner sanctums they did, and of course Cheney is the star of all six of them. And he's a doctor, he's an artist, he's a mentalist, he's a chemist, he's an attorney, and he's a <laughs> college professor. Yep. In these six little pictures, and uh, and this was a, a film uh, directed by another guy who who made certainly made his mark in horror movies, Reginald LeBorg, oh, yeah. uh, who was under contract to Universal at that time. As I understand it, he was he had directed some short subject, and also I think he directed some soundies, which were the uh, sort of uh, predecessors of the of of music videos that were kind, kind of the MTV of the forties. Yes. The MTV of the 40s made to be shown on jukeboxes, and I think he directed some of those. Did a stint in the Army and then came back in the early 1940s and uh, became a full-fledged director at Universal. Now, he did B-pictures, of course. He did the horror pictures, a lot of horror pictures and, and other pictures. And then a Monogram, he did a ton of Joe Palookas. Uh, oh, but yeah. i got, I got to tell you that um, at one point, I think it must have been about 1976, I had a friend of mine that was out at USC. And he called me one time. We were both horror fans. And he called me one time and he said, you know, there's Reginald Lee Borg has put something up on the bulletin board here. He's looking for someone to take his his uh, his old scripts and maybe turn them into um, update them and turn them into something maybe that could be sold. He said, if you're interested, he asks for somebody to send a uh, send along a, a sample of the writing. So I sent a thing I did called Beowulf Private Investigator, which I think you remember. It was the Beowulf sure. story that was done hard-boiled. And he liked it, and he sent me something, and I, I, I redid it, and apparently it flopped miserably. Well, Somewhere in my files, I have the script that I sent him with all these Reginald LeBorg notes on it, and then he called me and said, yeah, I'm sorry, this just isn't going to work out. So... I wish I had a better, <laughs> I wish it had a better ending, but it doesn't. Uh, I did talk to Reginald Leborg a couple of times on the on the phone. Hey, that's a, that's a credential in itself, John. 
Yeah, I guess so. It's a, but it's a, I was embarrassed by it for so many years. I would never tell anybody about it uh. because I was, you know, I was going around showing all. I was in grad school at the time. I'd just gotten out of the service and was mm-hmm. in grad in grad school at, uh, studying uh, writing. And, uh, you know, I was showing all the people all these lobby cards from the mummies go. So, yeah, I'm working with this guy, you know, so you always got to be careful about those sorts of things. Uh, But uh, this is this is a very interesting picture. And, you know, I think you and I both have some um, uh, experience with academics. Oh, yeah. And and I was (laughs) I was just thinking in the back of my mind that that uh, political intrigues on campus are, uh, you know, they make Capitol Hill look like child's play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just as mean as you can get. And I think they capture some of that, especially in the character of Elizabeth Russell, who essentially is just pushing hard for her milk toast husband, who's played great by by Ralph Morgan, one of the yes. great B-picture character people, as far as I'm concerned. And that's, and, you know, she's good. Elizabeth Risden is in it, who was the sort of matronly woman that was in so many universals back then and so many, just all kinds of pictures. And she mm-hmm. plays the woman who's the, the, who is just blase and makes jokes the day that someone about someone, the day that they die and they're coming back from the funeral, you know, and it's just, I, they kind of nailed it. And have you read Conjure Wife? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I bought that paperback uh, when the uh, remake of Weird Woman or Conjure Wife, uh, Night of the Eagle. Uh, or came Burn Witch Burn. The Burn yeah. Witch Burn, yeah, as, as it was known in America. Uh, when that showed up, there was a paperback tie-in reprinting the Lieber novel. And mm. uh, I recognized the story, so I've seen this on Shock Theater. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, of course, the, the British film itself is, is quite different from the Inner Sanctum version. Very much so, yes. Uh, a lot more dour and forbidding. Mm-hmm. Has mm-hmm. A, and has a, a well, uh, if there's if there's a flaw you want to pick at in the, in the Cheney version, it's that they tend to neutralize the supernatural element and leave it ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I agree. The, the remake, the, the British version, uh, Burn Witch Burn, as it was called, uh, makes no bones about the whoa, this thing is this 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 stuff is not only supernatural, it's just out of this world. <laughs> and uh, quite a quite a difference. There is, and I I guess both books are fairly now I've not seen the other one that, that other little that little comedy that they did that was uh what was the name of Witch's Brew that was an unauthorized or an un huh. uh, you know not uh, he wasn't credited. Lieber wasn't credited, but as I understand, it's the same sort of film. It had what Terry Gar in it. Lana Turner's last film, uh, sure. in the what eighty, I guess nineteen eighty, and Richard Benjamin. It was around that period, yes. Yeah, I've not seen that one. I've seen the other two, of course, and um, they, you know, the idea of witchcraft being used to help someone's career. <laughs> in, the, in academia, to me, is just springs from maybe Fritz Lieber, sure. uh, actual experience, who taught what I, he was at Occidental College in L.A. in the four, early 40s mm-hmm. and uh, teaching speech and drama. Of course, he's, he's, he comes from a theatrical family. You know, his dad right. was Fritz Lieber, so he did all those 
great character roles in the in the movies. And uh, so that I guess I, that must have been very powerful in the book. Do you recall that being the the real driving force in the book? That whole or basically the subtext that whole um, academic sort of backbiting. It's been years, but there's a there's a strong undercurrent. Yeah. yeah, in fact, the title "Weird Woman" was recycled for one of the uh, one of the releases of Witches Brew in 1980. Oh, it was. Yeah, pretty strange. Oh, right. A lot of a lot of proxy titles, you know. Yeah. But uh, the have you seen that? Have you seen that picture? When it was new, and it didn't really leave much of an impression. I probably ought right. to go back and take a peek. Well, I think it may be on YouTube now since we've had our uh since we've had the uh the uh, uh virus going around. I've uh, I've discovered and thanks to our producer engineer Joy Hambrick, uh I've discovered that there's a lot of great movies on YouTube uh mm-hmm. that you could see from the 30s and 40s B pictures and 50s and 60s, 70s and 80s, but I've been watching I've seen more I've seen more um uh, Edgar Omer pictures in the past week than I saw the first 70 years of my life, <laughs> uh, including Cafe Havana, which is something I'd, or Club Havana, I'm sorry, which Club is Havana. something I'd always wanted to see, yeah. And uh, so I understand, I, I was I was doing a little research, and I think Witches Brew may be available that way if people are, if people are, are interested in in taking a look at that. But, but this, this weird woman, I just, you know, they, they, there was a certain, it's kind of like, it was kind of like I've, I've heard Paul Revere and the Raiders describe one time as a band that could just get in there, get the job done and get out and, and entertain oh, the yeah. whole time that they were there. And this is the same thing that these Universal B pictures did. I mean, they didn't fool around. There's not a wasted subplot. There's not a throwaway line in one of these. Oh dear, no. Well, it runs an hour. Yeah, it runs. Yeah, it runs an hour. hour. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it uh, has no choice but to do what it sets out to do. That's that's typical of the of the six inner sanctums. Uh, I recommend all. They are available in a handsome box set. uh, Mm -hmm. Several years and. And of course, uh, there is a seventh inner sanctum that was not made by Universal Pictures. It was that Film up, Guild? I believe that's right. It showed up in 1948 yeah. from uh, from one of the one of the Poverty Row studios, and had nothing to do with Lon Chaney. Had nothing to do with Universal Pictures. It was directed by of a, a contemporary Lou Fried, Louis Louis Friedlander, who went under Lou Landers. Mm-hmm. And uh, stars the rather um, odd-looking Charles Russell, and <laughs> that kind of a face that you might not want to get on an elevator with, mm-hmm. and and the and the lovely Mary Beth Hughes, who often was miscast in light comedy parts, and she, she was, could do anything. Oh yeah, well she was not incapable of light comedy, and in fact she. She even co-starred once with the Three Stooges, but mm-hmm. you put her in a in a in a good noir like this low-budget uh, Seventh Inner Sanctum, and uh, wow, nice. What was the one that she did with Eric von Stroheim? The the a great uh, the great uh, the Plumerian, great Plumerian. Plumerian. Mm-hmm. from the from the mid forties, 
And boy, she is a femme fatale. <laughs> she is a femme fatale from the word go. You know, we do uh, here in in, uh, in in the Tulsa viewing area. I've, I've, I'm in the fifth season of a little uh, show I do called Film Noir Theater, and we show the Great Plumerian. I guess uh, was was part of our deal. We get our films uh, from uh, VCI in Tulsa, and uh, we showed the Great Plumerian. I think it was last time. My gosh, she people who knew her from. From as you say the comedy roles, which you did a lot of, and also from the uh, from the Michael Shane pictures uh, that, oh, that yeah. uh, the tw- oh, I believe those were 20th Century Fox, weren't they? Bee pictures? Oh, those were the Fox bees, and they're as polished as the Universal bees, maybe even more so. They're wonderful, and Lloyd Nolan, of course, is just just terrific. Oh, Michael Shane, Michael Shane mysteries, uh, often very weird. We ought to do some Michael Shanes on this this program one of these days. I would like to do that, and and as long as we're talking about what we're going to be doing next, and we really actually don't know, Joey. Sorry about that, folks. We'll we'll uh, probably come up with something a little bit newer this next time. Maybe, oh gosh, maybe we could look at uh, Witch's Brew and see see what that uh, you know yeah. see what that's like. Uh, that's up on on YouTube. I checked. Yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, that's what we were told. We, that's what we we thought. I thought it might be. It looked like yeah, it there, was. There are opportunities galore. Uh, we uh, uh, have an unlimited smorgasbord. It gets the the range of opportunities seems to get broader. Um, it's amazing how modern some of these early 30s, mid 30s, on into the 40s pictures look today. When in fact, back in like 1970, around 1970, when I first started this kind of research. Uh, a picture from 1940 was considered an antique, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh, it's quite amazing how. I mean, of course they're dated. That's the yeah. yeah so who isn't and what isn't? Right. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, uh, the inner sanctums are probably didn't look at themselves as progressive, but they are in fact films that gave Cheney Jr. the chance to stretch. That's progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave provocative ideas, a brisk and memorable presentation. And, uh, well, I mean, you want some Gothic weirdness for the modern day? Take a look at David Hoffman as the spirit of the inner sanctum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the very beginning of Universals. Yeah, we, you know, of course, he and, and then he shows up in Flesh and Fantasy that we did here a while back on one of the podcasts. Right. Too, without sticking his face through a... A big, whatever that is, a big jar. But <laughs> you know, uh, one of the films I also that was came out around this time that I think will be a good candidate for us would be Murder in the Blue Room. I saw that oh, for the first time on uh, on YouTube uh, the definitely. other day. I am absolutely stunned by the jazzy bells in that, and uh, it just the whole thing. And of course, Anne Gwynn, who is in. Uh, to bring this full circle, Anne Gwynn, who's the female lead in Weird Woman, is uh, the female lead in uh, Murder in the Blue Room as well. Yeah. It's funny, uh, Evelyn Anchors, I, I was doing some research uh, for, for our talk and uh, for the podcast, and, and they talked about some place, and I can't tell you where, that how, how unusual it was for Evelyn Anchors to be a, a villain. And... Uh, and how once she did this, uh, she was never villain again for Universal. Well, this was released March 1st, 1944. In August 1st of 44, 
she was in the Pearl of Death playing a pearl thief. So yeah. maybe the very next picture she was, or or at least you know a couple of pictures uh, later, at least one one picture later, she was uh, she was still a villainous presence, and uh, but she still doesn't. You just don't want her to be a villain. Evelyn oh, Anchors, no, no it, it should be should be a heroine always. I think she's uh, she's good strong woman presence. Yes. in a field that very often tended to objectify its leading ladies. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Boy, howdy. I mean, you, you look at Evelyn Anchors, uh, she can be, um, she always reminded me of the kind of heroines that appeared in the Fiction House comic books of that same period. I never thought about that. That's a good point. You could start with the hair, couldn't you? Yeah, a certain, <laughs> a certain <laughs> quality of loveliness and and if I may be so bold, voluptuosity, but also the idea that this is a take charge character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think you're absolutely right. I never thought about, she was, she might've made a great Sheena. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, who, Ann Gwen would have made a great Sheena. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ann Gwen. She was just, she's just terrific. So we'll come up with something for next time, but meanwhile, Let's uh, go ahead and, and let the folks know what, what we've got out there now in case anybody uh, would like some reading material. Uh, we can really supply that for you, and we would appreciate it if you took a look at uh, our stuff that's on uh, Amazon.com and bookstores and, and every place else. What do you? What's the most recent stuff you got out there, Michael? Well, for the duration of the presidential plague, uh, I mm. uh, jumped into the music suite and done a uh, pretty selective, but, but uh, pretty broad at the same time, uh, markdown on the Western Swingmasters CDs. Right. That is, we've, right. we've knocked them down to manufacturing cost uh, in the hope that uh, some people might find those um, cheap diversions. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly set up to do live streaming concerts in the studio just now. I've got this new digital recording rig in place, but at the same time, like, yeah, let's put some music out there. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so for, for the foreseeable future, I'm uh, we're going to have the newer Western Swingmasters CDs uh, there on Amazon at, at manufacturing cost. Well, as long as we're talking about that, I should say that uh, I'm in reruns, of course, with my own uh, Western Swing radio show now, Swing on This, yeah. but People can pick it up uh, every uh, Saturday night at 7 p.m. Uh, on publicradiotulsa.org. I believe it is. Yeah, publicradiotulsa.org at 7 p.m. Tulsa time. It's an hour of Western Swing and Cowboy Jazz. And the records that you're talking about, we play very often. And as soon as I get back in the studio, I've got a big stack of them. We're going to be playing more. <laughs> So it's uh, it's uh, it's great music, and I, I really recommend it. It's it's good good time music. Uh, not to and a lot of the fans like. have been a lot of a lot of the fans have been calling for a uh, web archive of your swing on this show, and uh, these uh, uh, basically summer replacement episodes kind right. of fill that function as well. Right, they absolutely do, and uh, and as long as we're talking about that, we'll segue one more time into the book that I've got out now, which is called 20th Century Honky Tonk, 
and it is a history of the Canes Ballroom, which, of course, is where Bob Wills ended up uh, popularizing Western swing music from the Canes Ballroom and KVOO Radio. I wrote it with my friend Brett Bingham, who is the uh, manager of Bob Wills' Texas Playboys, and uh, and just and a, and a great music historian as well. And uh, we just brought it out. We were wondering whether to wait until this whole like coronavirus thing is over. We thought, no, we'll just go ahead and put it out now in case people want something to read. And um, it, we put it out in uh, on a, in April, the second week in April, and it was the uh, number one uh, new release uh, on Amazon in uh, music history and criticism. Beautiful. Uh, so it's it's doing real well, and and people can find it there. The Canes Ballroom. Did you have you ever been to Canes Ballroom, Michael? Only in passing, and not in recent yeah. years. Well, it's uh, you know, it's of course our our Texas has got a lot of famous honky tonks, and I think the Canes is our most famous one. Certainly the most famous one that's still standing, and uh, it's the only place ever that was both the home to Bob Wills and the the uh, uh, a stop on the. Uh, Sex Pistols American Tour. <laughs> so there's, there's the two, there's the perimeters right there. But it's called 20th Century Honky Tonk is the book. And uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, as old friend of mine used to say, if you like that sort of thing, that's the sort of thing you'd like. So um, <laughs> I think we'll figure out something next time. Perhaps we'll be back on our uh, our regular microphones. But if not, we'll we'll find something. We want to thank everybody uh, for your comments. Michael, we've got the uh, Forgotten Horrors uh, Facebook page too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a pretty lively discussion area. I've uh, been uh, uh, we just got a just got a whole raft of new members the other day. Really? Well, that's yeah. Great. That uh, big old surge of of uh, people wanting to come in and play, and it's like, yeah, welcome, welcome. Just just welcome just, uh, indeed. It costs nothing to participate. And, yeah, uh, we're exactly. Always glad to have, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're always glad to have people come aboard and uh, always glad to have people listen to the podcast. So I guess until next time, uh, stay safe, and uh, and uh, we'll be back before you know it. Yes, back with you.